During a Black Lives Matter protest in late May, the Masons saw their downtown damaged, and two buildings burnt to the ground. The next day, a Facebook group was formed called Defend East County, largely formed on the argument that their communities needed to be defended. Months later, the group has become a haven for people who oppose Black Lives Matter, as well as believe several conservative conspiracy theories. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Andrew Dyer, the military reporter for the San Diego Union-Tribune, and you are well-versed in kind of the intricacies of the internet, which I think is why you dove deep into this story. So first, let's explain how we got here, how this group came to be. What were the events that led to the group's creation, and what was kind of its original thesis like in the beginning? Well, uh, on on May 30th, uh, it was a Saturday in La Mesa. There was a Black Lives Matter protest. Um, It was very large. Um, During the day, protesters made their way onto Interstate 8. Um, By late afternoon, they returned to the La Mesa Police Department area. Um, At that time, um, at least one of the organizers left um, and, and tried to get uh, people to disperse, or, or, or so he, he told me. Um, but there was a, a police presence. Um, they ordered people to disperse. When that didn't happen, uh, some of the demonstrators began uh, throwing objects at, at lines of police. Um, I did not see this. I, I arrived at the protest a little bit later, but uh, the landscaping around La Mesa City Hall and police department um, has these chunks, these rock chunks, and some of that is what was used. So, uh, yeah, that protest turned violent. There was a lot of tear gas, pepper balls being shot by the police. Um, And then towards midnight, uh, a group of um, demonstrators, or a group group of people amongst the demonstrators began to vandalize uh, a pair of banks there downtown and um, set them on fire. Mm -hmm. And this was... Yeah, this was by far the most destructive protest that the region had seen, and it was also one of the earliest. So in a sense, it kind of set a tone, which for people who were kind of looking for this kind of thing, played into that narrative, it appears. Right. And this is, um, you know, for people who disagree with Black Lives Matter or disagree with the protest movement, um, this is the kind of stuff that they point at and say, look at what happens if you, you know, these people, they say they want one thing. And then you have a protest, and next thing you know, uh, businesses are being looted and set on fire, and um, that's just not acceptable. Um, you know, several buildings, uh, several businesses in La Mesa were looted. Uh, the next morning, a bunch of community members came out and, and cleaned up and, and um, uh, tried to, you know, make the best out of a, a really bad situation. But another thing that happened that day was. Um, a man named Justin Haskins started a a Facebook group called Defend East County um, with the purpose that they weren't going to let something like what happened on May 30th happen again. Uh, They knew that um, some of these protests could spread to other cities in East County, and um, East County is a very conservative area, politically speaking, and um, they just decided to take it upon themselves that they weren't going to let something like that happen. Mm Mm-hmm. And these online communities develop and change very quickly. Uh, During June, which is when San Diego saw the most uh, BLM protests, 
what were people in the group saying? Can you kind of walk us through the main arguments that people were really pushing on this group? Well, early on, um, I I wasn't admitted into the group until about June 6th or June 7th. Um, so right after the La Mesa uh, protest turned destructive on, on the 30th, um, that Monday, uh, Black Lives Matter protesters began demonstrating in Santee um, at the corner of Kuyamaka and Mission Gorge. Um, and their presence brought out counter protesters. Um, now, it's it's not clear, and I don't know for a fact that all of these counter protesters were part of Defendees County. At least some of them were. Um, but it was a, this Monday uh, counter protest where uh, a video that was posted on the San Diego Reddit of a man like cracking a bullwhip, um, other people yelled things at protesters. And that kind of got the organizers of the Defendees County Facebook page, um, I think it kind of caught them off guard and they didn't really want that sort of thing happening. They're, I met with them uh, that Saturday um, and, and talked to one of the group administrators and one of the uh, leaders of the, the group. And they, they said that they were just wanting to protect businesses and they didn't want to engage with protesters and they didn't want to have confrontations. They wanted to um, protect their first, the protesters' First Amendment rights just like they wanted to protect the business owners' rights. Um, and, and that was where they were at that time. Um, that kind of thinking has evolved a little bit in, in the group. Um, the organizer that I met with is no longer part of the group, um, as well as the Facebook administrator. Uh, she is no longer uh, an administrator on their Facebook page. So um, what really triggered something for me was uh, on August 1st, um, there was another protest in La Mesa, uh, not as large as the earlier one, but during this protest, um, some of the counter demonstrators um, did kind of run into the crowd of protesters. That's what video from the scene appears to show. And um, there were some altercations. Witnesses said that they grabbed megaphones or, or people's signs. Um, some punches were thrown. Um, one counter demonstrator was arrested and, and charged with um, uh, a couple felonies and, and a, a few misdemeanors. So you know there was um, a, there was violence. You know there were, you know this this yelling and this back and forth. You know had turned into actual action. Um, so watching the group the last two months, the the narrative inside the group conversations people are having um it just looked like a powder keg to me and you know while certainly a group of twenty thousand people you know not everybody is is thinking the same way but you know it only takes one person um to read a post that says it's time to put people in body bags to you know look at that and say you know i agree and that's what i'm going to do so uh it's, it's troubling some of the, the stuff Mm -hmm. And these things don't happen in a vacuum. Uh, East County does have some uh, troubling history when it comes to race. Uh, there was a number of known skinheads to live in the region in the past as well. And recently, Santee has been working hard to kind of, you know, remove its image of what people often refer to it as Clan T. 
But there were some instances separate from this in which East County got more attention for racist acts. Can you remind us of some of those things that we saw? I believe this was during the month of June as well. I think at least two of these were in May, uh, both in Santee, uh, where one man uh, went viral, went to a grocery store wearing a Ku Klux Klan hood um, with the eye holes and, and the whole the whole thing. Uh, really upsetting to a lot of people. And then it wasn't a few days later that a couple went uh, again shopping and they wore uh, Nazi swastikas on their, on their face masks, um, which, you know, coming so soon after the, the clan hood incident um, really led to some, you know, bad press from, uh, you know, the national media about, what was going on. And both of these were supposedly in protest to the mask rules. But, um, you know, looking at the Facebook uh, accounts of the, at least for the, the couple that had the, the swastikas, you know, tons of anti-Semitic content and, and neo-Nazi stuff on, on that Facebook page and on his video streaming account. So, um, you know, th- that element exists in, in, in San Diego and, and in East County. So, um, pretend otherwise is to, to you know, disagree with reality. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, you mentioned in your story that a number of popular conspiracy theories are pretty common posts on Defend East County. When did you notice uh, the discussion kind of going toward that realm? Because it does sort of follow that people who are angry at Black Lives Matter, people who imagine some threat to or coming to attack, also would believe such theories which kind of prey on these arguments. So what did it look like inside of the group and when things got a little more conspiratorial? Well, this is a f- more recent phenomena. Um, so QAnon is a wide-ranging conspiracy theory. It, it borrows from a bunch of comp- conspiracy theories from decades past, um, most of them anti-Semitic in nature. But uh Around uh, the middle of July, um, during the United Nations Save the Children Day, which was meant to bring attention to, you know, human trafficking and sex trafficking, um, a lot of people in the QAnon community um, decided essentially to glom on to that United Nations uh, effort. And um, because one aspect of QAnon is that there is a satanic pedophile ring operating in Washington, D.C., and in the Democratic Party that involves like, Hollywood actors. Um, and it's this is just part of the conspiracy, but, um, you know, any effort to bring attention to child sex trafficking, you know, it has a QAnon element. And um, that kind of, you know, it kind of opened the door to um, more QAnon-type discussions in the group. Um one person shared uh, an image, an anti-human trafficking image in the group, um, uh, an image I found incredibly disturbing, a, a child, a, a little girl wearing like sexy lingerie, um, holding hands with a, an apparently naked man. Um, they had, you know, a black square over, but you know, you know, you know it when you see it, right? Um, I, I, I was really uh, bothered by this image and troubled by the fact that it stayed up in the group, um, at least until I was kicked out uh, after my story published yesterday. 
Um, and it generated hundreds of comments from people, you know, of course, saying the obvious, which I don't think anybody disagrees with, is that, you know, child abuse is wrong. So child sexual abuse is, is wrong. Um, these aren't fringe viewpoints. But whenever you then link that to a grand conspiracy amongst elites, then you get into that QAnon territory. And um, the administrator of the group, a man named Justin Haskins, who lives in Arizona, um, I asked him about this image. When I talked to him, you know, why do you let it stay up in the group? Do you think it's appropriate to have a, you know, child pornography in your group? Now, whatever the purpose of having that image, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, and he defended it. He said it could get people to act. And um, then he said that, you know, he, he didn't believe in QAnon, but that he then um, in the next, you know, next breath, he said, I don't think it's a conspiracy. I think there's a lot of truth to it. So um, I, I don't know what he believes really other than you know what he told me and those two things uh, appear to be different but um you know this is a very uh very active part of the the right wing um you know the president president donald trump has retweeted uh, numerous QAnon accounts there are several QAnon adherents running for office um including in a a woman running for Congress in North Georgia in a very red district won her primary is likely going to be elected to Congress. And um, he has you know, posted a lot of these conspiracies. So um, this isn't something going away and it isn't something we should ignore. Um, the FBI has said that extremist conspiracies like QAnon do pose a domestic terror threat. There have been uh, acts in the U.S. from Q adherence. Um, a, a mob boss was gunned down in New York um, by um, somebody who subscribed to QAnon. So um, it, it's real and it's out there and you know, it's in San Diego. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and describing that, uh, it's a, kind of a useful logical fallacy that you see with the child sex trafficking part of QAnon. It's a way to kind of, if you're having an argument saying, oh, if you don't care about this, you obviously must be a terrible person. And it kind of detracts from whatever you're speaking about it, be it Black Lives Matter or kind of any other social issue. So you see this kind of used rhetorically as a way to kind of reframe focus, which, you know, with that added focus gives more agency to the group that's getting the, the attention. So it kind of makes sense they're using the strategy. But after you published this story, uh, describe the response because uh, we saw lots of online traffic. What have people have been saying? Well, it, it it really depends on what side of the like political spectrum you land on. Um, this story, you know, this is the razor's edge of the the culture war that that has been going on for years between the left and the right. So, any story uh, that walks that line is going to have uh, an impassioned response. Um, you know, people in the group, um, you know, they're not happy because, you know, the group isn't all conspiracies and racial banter and, and, and talking about shooting protesters. You know, there is other things that happen. You know, there was like, you know, they organized a child's birthday caravan. You know, they, they have done other things, but, um, you know, I don't know if people appreciate the danger in having a place where people, even if it's just a handful of people, 
can go and agitate for running over protesters, shooting protesters. Um, these are things that have actually happened at protests. Protesters have been run over. They have been murdered by counter demonstrators. It is a real and um, immediate uh, threat to people's safety. And um, I don't know if that, if people appreciate it for what it is when they see it. Um, people can just casually toss out, you know, it's time to put some thugs in body bags. Um, whether or not somebody picks up a gun and, and actually uh, tries to make it happen is something else, but it's something that... Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what we're seeing right now in the comments. Uh, we have uh, Isaac T. Phillips saying he was a member of Defend East County and says that it was uh, one of the most toxic places he was in his life, which, you know, kind of makes sense because the way that social media is built is to get people to interact with it. And things that are outrageous and on the extremes naturally garner more attention. So it's kind of this slippery slope that eventually gives people the go-ahead to do something they wouldn't normally. Because if you're in spaces that normalize this, that don't tell you, hey, doing this is bad, someone who is on the edge may choose to make a choice. And that's what we saw in Charlottesville with the murder of Heather Heyer. And it is possible this could happen again if people don't speak up and say, hey, that's not right. These aren't the values of this group. Right. And Facebook has, I mean, we could do a whole other other story about Facebook's problems. But um, in 2017, they did move to, to emphasize groups as a way to build communities. And uh, membership in Facebook groups became a much more prominent part of your news feed. So if you you follow a bunch of Facebook pages, but then you join a bunch of Facebook groups. When you open Facebook and go to your newsfeed, Facebook is going to show you group activity first. Um, the, the way its algorithm is designed. So um, if you're a member of a group and you comment or you like a few posts, Facebook decides, hey, you like this group, you like this content, we're gonna show it to you first. And then we're also gonna suggest to you similar groups that you might enjoy because you like that one so much. Um, it's also possible to be a member of groups and ignore them completely. I'm I'm a member of a bunch of kooky Facebook groups that you know you join on a whim or you join as a as a joke or, or something, um, and I never see them on my newsfeed because I've never interacted with them. And I, I wonder how many people are members of Defendees County that are, are similarly situated where they've never interacted or commented, so maybe they don't see it on their face on their on their newsfeed. I don't know what everybody's newsfeed looks like, but. Um, it's built into the mechanism of, of Facebook, and um, the 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 company's been criticized um, a lot for its um, effectiveness in um, not just spreading disinformation, which is another problem with these groups, um, but also with potentially radicalizing people. Yeah, it's like the echo chamber, but on steroids. It's like this is defined and refined echo chambers so if you have a fringe belief it's like facebook is giving you exactly what it thinks that it wants which is more fringe beliefs right and you know i don't think that opposing black lives matter i don't know if if that alone counts as a fringe belief uh, i think there's a lot of people who for one reason or another oppose the movement i think it was like 40 percent in the latest gallup poll Right. So, you know, if you if you only look at the destruction and the looting, you know, those things are bad. Right. So um, 
you, you might write off the group, but um, you know, there it runs. There's a, a spectrum there of of, of folks who, who might mm-hmm. be um, uh, tempted to join a group that is about defending businesses, right? So, um, what Defend East County does is it it gives you a place where if you are opposed to Black Lives Matter for one reason or another, it gives you a community, but then it also gives you something else. It gives you the opportunity to take your beliefs and put it into action in the real world. Uh, be that, you know, going and standing in front of a business or going and yelling at Black Lives Matter activists um, at a protest. Um, those options are available to you uh, via via this group and groups like it. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, this is one of those examples in which Facebook groups and Facebook generally are very uh, small d democratic in which the power is with the groups of people and individuals. But have there been any like leaders in East County or even leaders online that have kind of spoken out against some of the dark sides of uh, things inside of this group? Is there anyone speaking up that you know of? Um, You know, I did, I did talk to a few city council members in, um, East County cities uh, about you know their membership in the group. Um, mostly from the people that responded to me, what I, what I heard back was you know they're in there to monitor their community, which um, you know I I have no I take no issue with. I think it's probably smart that community leaders know what's happening um, in groups like this, uh, especially when people are showing up to protests armed with long knives and and pepper spray and 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 whatever else. So um, I, I think it's probably smart, but. Um... Mm-hmm. And finally, if I have someone, if I have a question and want to learn more, what's the best way of getting hold of you? Um, you can email me, andrew.dyer at stuniontribune.com. Um, you can DM me on Twitter. And um, those are probably the, uh, the ways to get the quickest response. All right. Andrew Dyer. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the San Diego News Fix. I wanted to let you know of an upcoming seminar the San Diego Union Tribune is hosting alongside the National Conflict Resolution Center. It's part of the group's A Path Forward series, and this seminar features three important voices that we've been listening to since the death of George Floyd. They are Ibram X. Kendi, author of How to Be an Anti-Racist, Robin D'Angelo, author of White Fragility, and Wesley Lowry, a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist and author of They Can't Kill Us All, the story of the struggle of black lives. The free online discussion will take place this coming Thursday, August 20th. To register, check out our show notes. Also, Warwick's in La Jolla has a discount code that you can use to purchase those books. That 10% coupon will go to NCRC. Until next time.